Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad it'll never make you as giddy as or scream like a schoolgirl. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast coming to you from PipesMagazine.com and the studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, special Wednesday edition, special Wednesday edition. That's right. There's only two times now that we've changed the date of the show. One was for International Pipe Smoking Day, and this time because... Tomorrow at 8 o'clock, Kevin and I will be in Kansas City for the Greater Kansas City Pipe Club meeting, and then uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Find me at the uh, Kansas City Pipe Show. I'll be there hanging out, looking forward to it. So let's get this special Wednesday show underway in pipe parts. I'm going to go back and touch on a little bit of stuff that Paul talked about. Going to do it in pipe parts because it's going to take a little bit of time. As uh, Giddy as a Schoolgirl brings me to our guest tonight. No, it's not a schoolgirl, but it is part of what I want to call the Schools Out for Summer series of young guys. Going to take some time this summer since the uh, young folks are out of college. We're going to take some time, maybe once a month, we'll grab one of the younger folks and talk to them about pipe smoking and their in person, what they feel about pipe smoking and. It's going to be fun for those of us that have been in the hobby for a while. Anyway, my guest is Ben Spakler, one of the moderators on PipesMagazine.com. We'll talk to him. Got a special piece instead of music. We're going off the charts. Got a whole brand new piece of entertainment for you, so you're going to have to stick around and listen to that. Uh, Mailbag and a special rant just for me coming up in the end of the show. So, Father's Day past Sunday. Hope everybody had a great Father's Day. For me, this was my uh, second Father's Day as a father without having any kids. Why? Because my oldest son is off working at a summer camp for the summer, and my daughter is at uh, Duke University for a two-week college-based program for high school kids. So kind of fun for her and a little scary for us with her being away for two weeks and uh, living in the dorms on Duke University. So, all right, everybody, enough of that. Let's sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Let's get the show going. Here we go. This is Internet Radio. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Welcome back. All right, for pipe parts, this is going to be a little less, uh, it'll be dramatically less informative like most of the pipe parts segments are, but primarily inspired by an email that I received from Dan Locklear, professor, composer, friend of mine, in response to Paul's interview. So I want to go over a couple of points with you from my side of it. At the same time that tobacco was under attack in the 70s and in the early 80s, the liquor industry was also under attack at the same time. 
To me, there's a big difference, though. Tobacco companies, the big ones in particular, Philip Morris, based in Virginia, uh, R.J. Reynolds here in North Carolina, Brown and Williamson was in Kentucky. Those, are, those were the three big players in cigarettes at the time. The liquor industry, primarily fueled by the beer manufacturers, because beer is or was at that time the big volume of money, the two big beer brewers, based in Wisconsin and based in Missouri. Now, for those of us here in the United States, this is going to sound somewhat familiar, but for those of you out of the country that are listening... Wisconsin and Missouri are what were considered traditionally swing states, better known as they would bounce back and forth between the Democratic and Republican parties depending on that election or the mood of the state. The other thing that Wisconsin and Missouri had going for them, and still do to this day, is their union states. Virginia, North Carolina, and Kentucky, not very heavily influenced at all by labor unions. Labor unions traditionally go with the Democratic Party or the more liberal party. So the Democrats or the more liberal side of the politics aisle were the ones that were going after tobacco and going after liquor, trying to stop drunk driving, trying to stop alcohol abuse, trying to stop secondhand smoke exposure, going after all these enjoyments that we have, trying to protect humanity or trying to protect the population. Now what happened in Wisconsin and Missouri was the liquor or the beer companies quickly understood this, saw this, and got with their unions and said, hey look, if we get all these restrictions and we get all this stuff coming down the pike at us, this is going to be bad for us. It's going to mean that we're going to have to lay off people. So the unions helped protecting their union membership went to the Democrats who were on the attack at that time and said, stop it. That didn't happen in, the, in Virginia, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Those three states in particular were more traditionally Republican states anyway, a little more conservative didn't have labor unions, but didn't have the ability to really stop the rest of the country from coming after tobacco. The one thing that I do want to point out is that also tobacco kind of closed their mouths and kind of hid in the sand. Very few tobacco executives would come out and talk about the results of their testing and so on and so on. They kind of hid themselves. And then as Paul discussed, Philip Morris kind of led the way with creating some of this legislation. At the same time, and I want to thank Dan for pointing this out, like what happened here in North Carolina, the restaurant associations in each state, bar and restaurant associations, they weren't against, uh, they were against smoking bans, but they weren't against it as much as they were against controlling liquor, or cracking down on alcohol sales. Why? Because it's standard, it's customary for us to go into a bar or restaurant and pay the bar or restaurant prices for a glass of, for a glass of beer, a glass of wine, a mixed drink, whatever it was. The restaurant and bar association, they weren't making any money off of tobacco sales. Yes, they were getting sales because people were coming in and smoking and drinking there, 
But once it got to a statewide ban level where you couldn't just go over the county or out of the city to go to a different place that did allow you to smoke, the restaurant and bar associations were all for it. That happened here in North Carolina about four years ago where the state said we will have no statewide ban on smoking and then they changed it and said we will have a total statewide ban on smoking. That was supported by the Restaurant and Bar Association because they knew that people wouldn't run across the border or run to the next city to be able to smoke and drink. It was a level, fair playing field. Now, Dan's last question in his email to me is, what can we do? What can we as pipe smokers do to try to curtail some of this, try to stop taxation, try to stop a potential ban on mail order sales, try to stop increased prices? What can we do? Well, here's what I've always suggested people to do. And pipe smokers, I'm going to blame you for this because a lot of you have been, you've put your head in the sand because you don't care about smoking in a bar. You're okay smoking outside. Well, now we can't go to Starbucks because Starbucks leaned over to the forces that were on them and banned it from all their patios. What can you do? You can let companies know that you smoke you enjoy it, and you want to be able to do it. You can let your politicians know, every elected official that represents you. Let them know. Do exactly what I do. Send them all an email or a letter and explain to them that I am a tobacco user, I am a pipe smoker, and I enjoy it. I will not support you in raising any taxes, restricting the availability of my product, I enjoy it, and I won't support you if you are against what I enjoy. It's that simple. It's that important. Sometimes you have to send it to them two or three times during the year, but that's what I do. The other thing that Dan mentions in his email is when the New York Times has an article, like they've had two articles in the past, or NPR's done a piece or two on pipe smoking, we as pipe smokers, we need to get out there and we need to register with those websites and support them get on their post positive comments about them talking about our hobby talking about something that we enjoy show them that we're out here we listen we appreciate it the more publicity the more open we are about pipe smoking as a hobby pipe smoking and how passionate we are about it the more people will report on it the more people that report on it the more people will be aware of it and right now as paul said last week We are so insignificant in what's going on in the tobacco wars that we're just going to be a casualty on the battlefield and nobody will ever even notice that we got squashed because it's a very, very small amount of revenue when it comes to the total tobacco market. So there you go. Went on a little bit longer than that. That's my thoughts on it. Pipe Parts is done. We'll be back in just a minute with Ben Spakler. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
Please join me in welcoming to the Pipes Magazine radio show, PipesMagazine.com forum moderator, young pipe smoker, Ben Spakler. Ben, welcome to the show. It's good to be on the show. You know, I'm really, I'm really excited about having you on here because you are by far the youngest person that I've ever talked to in regards to pipe smoking, the youngest person that's really passionate about pipe smoking that I've ever met. So tell everybody how old you are and when did you start smoking a pipe? Uh, well, I just turned 20 uh, in May, and I started in September. It'll be two years, uh, so I was 18 at the time. Now, now a young... 18 years old, you live in Michigan, what made you want to start smoking a pipe? Well, uh, my friend Randy went to a flea market and he found an old Aristocob that was in actually really good condition and it had three of the bowl inserts and I thought it looked really cool and uh, I had already been smoking at that time. I was smoking cigarettes and cigars uh, and one day me and him went to smoke shop it wasn't really a pipe shop it was more of a head shop really but they had some of the cheap chinese pipes and the medicos and other lower end pipes and i, I got some cigars a pack of cigarettes and i saw this little pipe that was a calabash and it was it had a crazy bend on it i could hardly get a pipe clearance through it but it was my first pipe and i saw that and i thought why not Randy's got one. My dad used to smoke one, and my grandpa used to way back when, so I figured I'll try it out. I bought some Paladin Black Cherry and <laughs> some Middleton Apple, and it actually wasn't that bad starting out. Now, how long into into smoking did you start looking for advice on how to, or did you just kind of figure it out yourself? Uh, right away, pretty much. Uh, I'm the type of person that likes to research things I'm interested in, so... As soon as I got home and had internet access, I looked up how to do everything, really. It had a little information packet with, with it, too, about how to break in a pipe. But uh, I researched everything and found the forums pretty fast. So you started out on the forums. Was there any really good advice that you remember getting and any really bad advice that you remember? Uh, nothing in particular that stands out. It was pretty much the typical advice that people get on the forums, like, don't start with, like, packing the bowl the whole way. Don't do too tight. Um, one thing I do remember is I asked them about this blend that I had found, and I didn't know what any of these tobaccos were, and I, don't, I didn't know the proportions of them. So even if I knew what they were, it wouldn't really help too much. Uh, but I, I just listed what was in it because I really liked it. And they started naming off all these blends, and I, was, I had no idea what any of them were talking about, really. It really, it was quite confusing. So I had to tell. I was like, "You got to put things in in simple context." Right now, I don't really know what you're talking about. But then I researched all over the internet the different types of tobacco and tried to learn about them. And now I think that I'm fairly knowledgeable. What kind of tobacco drew you? Uh, what what kind of tobacco are you drawn to now? Uh, English blends and anything really Latakia heavy. And how long? This is my favorite. How long did it take you to get to the Latakia blends? Uh, not too long, I don't think. Uh, about a week or two, maybe three, after I bought my first pipe, I took a trip to Flint and went to Paul's Pipe Shop. 
which is an awesome place. Uh, if anyone in Michigan is ever in the Flint area, definitely check it out. They have walls covered in pipes. They have a museum upstairs that I have not gotten to see because it got water damaged. And they have plenty of pipes in storage. And that's where I bought my second pipe and my first briar. It was It's a oompal. It's black with a shell finish. It's got a huge bowl in it, so I don't smoke it that much. My tastes have leaned towards smaller bowls. But when I was there, I bought one of their, their pipe club blend. And it had a little bit of Latakia in it, but not enough to really taste it. And then from being on the forums, I saw people mentioning the Frog Morton line a lot and talking about Perique. And I looked up Perique, and the way it tasted, what was described as tasting, interest me. So I got a tin of Frog Morton on the bayou, and that's really what kicked it off and never really looked back in predominantly English and Balkan blends for me since. Now, I'm I'm a Perique fanatic, so when you read the description and then you actually tasted tasted a blend with Perique in it, was that taste comparison, was that really close to what you were thinking it was, or was it completely different? I'd say it was fairly close. Uh, it said that it had kind of a peppery taste and slightly fruity, and I'd say that was pretty right. I had a pretty good idea in my mind of what it was going to taste like, not really like what it was going to smell like. When I opened the tin, it definitely surprised me. I thought, I was like, this this doesn't smell that good. Uh, am I going to like this? Did I just throw out, like, 10 bucks? Well, then I, I smoked it, and I found that it tasted a lot better than it smelled. And as I started to smoke more lat-heavy blends, the, taste, the smell kind of grew on me. Does the smell of a tobacco, when you first smell it, does that always indicate to you what it's going to taste like? Uh, well, now that I know what the different tobaccos taste like a little bit, but, you know, like I, like in the beginning, I thought it was going to taste gross because of the smell, and it surprised me. So I really don't judge it entirely until I've actually tasted it. And do you give it a couple of bowls before you decide if you're going to like it, or is it uh, the first bowl, and if if it's bad, typically, it's Typically, I'll give it a couple, but if it's something that I find really really disgusting then i'll get rid of it right away but that doesn't happen too often that i'm just completely disgusted with something so now you've been smoking for almost uh, almost two years now how many pipes do you own uh off the top of my head how, how many probably you... around 30 like 29 or 30 how many, i was gonna say how many are you willing to admit to have you gravitated one way or the other on what kind of pipes you like what styles uh, or I... I tend to go for the strange, more of an more, the more of the avant-garde style. I like I really like the look of the Danish pipes, uh, but those are usually a little out of my price range. But I tend to go for things that are not the norm. Like, um, I have a Rhodesian that on the very front it has a little spittle cap, just like a Cavalier. Yeah. Um, I've got a Zeppelin pipe. I tend to go for things that are just different that people don't really have. Do you get strange looks when you're uh, smoking your pipes from other people? Um, I don't really go out into public with them that often because until recently I didn't have my own cars and I couldn't smoke in my parents' cars. Um, but I would go for a walk sometimes in town. I live outside of town. I live in the boonies. <laughs> so 
really no one sees me when I'm at my house. And if they do, they probably just unfortunately assume I'm smoking pot on my front porch. But <laughs> when I was walking around in town, um, I did get some strange looks. I, I definitely noticed people staring at me as I walked by. But that's to be expected, really. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't done it recently in public, but when I used to go into town all the time, I mean, I was 18 years old, so I mean, seeing a kid walking down the road smoking a pipe, I mean, no one's gonna think there's tobacco in there with their first thought. <laughs> makes me think about the post that I saw on the forums a couple of weeks back about the guy that got pulled over for smoking a pipe in his car. That actually has not happened to me. I haven't ever had the cops bother me. Although, I did get pulled over for a headlight, and the cop smelled something in the car, and he asked me, looked at me all serious, and said, do you smoke cigars? To which I responded, well, I smoke a pipe. And he looked at me weird, and I said, it's tobacco in it. It's right here in the side of the door if you want to look at it. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, I'm going to ask Ben some more about uh, being a young pipe smoker. We'll talk a little bit about the forums, and then we'll see what else he's got to say. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. This is Internet Radio. We are back. Ben is still with me. Ben, let me ask you this. The the age-old question. Are women attracted to uh, pipe smokers? Um, I'm not really sure. My ex-girlfriend I had when I started smoking, uh, it didn't really bother her that much because I was already a smoker. Uh, she just took it as like a fad kind of thing I was having fun with but then i stuck with it uh she never really liked it when i smoked around her probably because it took a while so even if i just grabbed like a small pipe that's still like a good 20 minutes of sitting outside doing nothing which she didn't really enjoy and she didn't like the smell of most of them interestingly though she did like the smell of pensions quite a bit which i thought was odd because most people are turned away by that kind of smell, and that's that's rather strong-smelling tobacco. Yeah, that, that's one of the heaviest smells. And anyway, she's gone, but you still have the pipes and the tobacco. So, yeah, so everything's all good. So now, fast forward. When did you become a moderator of the forums? Um, been just over a year now. Last April, I believe. And at, I think April twentieth was the actual day but i'm not positive as as a moderator tell us what is what are you responsible for uh i make sure that people are following the rules and if people need help sometimes they contact me or one of the other ones lawrence and jason so there's three of you and do you between the three of you do you look at every post that goes up every other post uh, not everyone but i try to when i when i go on to the forums i 
kind of start at the top and look at every post and I may or may not comment on them and if it's something that is violating the rules then I'll delete or close it depending on what needs to be done. Uh, I also go through and make sure people's pictures are working because that seems to be something that people tend to have a problem with early on. So if I see someone's pictures not working, I'll go in there and see if I can fix it. If not, then I'll just tell them how they can do it as simply as I can. Now here's a question that I know the answer to, but I want you to, I want to ask it so that you can say it. What do you right. what do you get for being a forum moderator? Nothing, really. Just getting to help out. That's really it. And Get that, more involved in the forums, and to, and to continue help building a good, clean forum for other people that want to come in and learn stuff and want to communicate with other pipe smokers around the world. Yeah, yeah. We don't get paid or get like any free things. It it is definitely an unsung job and one that uh, one that is much appreciated. Uh, what else? What else is? Uh, what else keeps you busy besides? Uh, pipe smoking uh well i work uh, at mcdonald's unfortunately right now although i am trying to get a job at a real restaurant that's kind of difficult in my area everything's kind of far away but patience um i enjoy video games a lot i do a lot of that in my free time or i just troll the internet either for things that actually are educational or things that aren't what do you want to do at a real restaurant? Uh, I would like to be a baker, preferably a night baker. I, I like to be up at night a lot, and I like to work at night. And it would just be nice to go to work really late at night, bake a bunch of food, come back home early in the morning, go to sleep. So you're talking about breads, pastries? Everything. I just I don't like to do the decorating quite so much. Small decorating is all right, but cake decorating, like cake boss and ace of cakes, that's that's not my thing. <laughs> you want to make stuff to eat? And I not. just like to make it. That's what I like to do. I like to make cake, cookies, pie, fudge, whatever. I like to cook, too. Either or. Okay, you can stop now. I'm hungry enough. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, do you think there's... I. I mean, I've noticed in the in, from some of the past guests, I've got we've had a couple of people that are into culinary stuff. Even uh, even Greg Pease is involved in wines and spices and stuff like that. Is there is there some sort of correlation between you wanting to wanting to bake and and the and learning to taste tobaccos and the taste experience? Um, maybe uh, I I do think that I have a fairly good palate for tasting things. Another thing I've noticed is that a lot of the people that I know that work in the culinary industry smoke. Not like a pipe, but they just smoke. I've noticed a lot of people that work in kitchens, a lot of times there's always people out back smoking on their break. I don't know what the connection is, maybe because it can get so busy and stressful, but I've noticed a lot of people in the culinary industry seem to smoke. When I was at school, probably about seven or eight of the 20 people in my class smoked. I wonder if there's and a... They're all uh, younger. And I wonder if it's because it is a kind of a stressful job to, to be in a kitchen. It's 
possible. But I've noticed a lot of them tend to smoke. So now let's jump back to the forums for a minute because we're running out of time here. But are there any uh, any really particularly uh, goofy or stupid things that you've ever seen in the forums that you want to mention in front of all 14,000, 15,000 listeners? Uh, well, one person made a post about uh, they dropped their pipe in the toilet after they had just taken a dump. <laughs> and... Uh, they were asking if there was any way they if they could actually salvage it, and most of us said no. I wouldn't even want to touch it after it's fallen in toilet water. And then people started to get a little angry. Why would you even bother posting this? So it got closed down. But <laughs> definitely remember that one. So so that that thread got flushed. Yeah. Uh, and what are some of the really common things that you see on the forums? Um, well, we get a lot of spammers. Most of them get caught by the, by the site's security system, I guess. I'm not really sure how it works. Kevin would know better. But, uh, some of them get through. Lately, what I've noticed is a lot of the spam tends to be about e-cigs, electronic cigarettes. Um, we also get people advertising their business that aren't sponsors. Or we'll just get spammers about stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with the hobby we've gotten a couple of spammers that were uh, head shops uh, another common thing would be people having trouble posting pictures uh, have we ever had any anti-smokers try to jump on the forums not that i can think of but i'm sure there has been so they've they've quieted down uh, now i'm gonna give you a chance that i've never given anybody else you're you're 20 years old Two years of pipe smoking experience. I'm going to let you turn the tables. Ask me anything you want to know. Remember, I am, right. the, I am the leading expert on my own opinion. All right. Um, what got you into pipe smoking? Uh, I was working at a smoke shop, and I'd, I'd smoked a pipe before once or twice. The same way you did, I picked up a corncob pipe at, uh, at Disney World, picked up a pouch of apple tobacco and thought that it would be cool and then when i was working at the smoke shop one of the things we sold was pipes and tobaccos and the manager wanted me to smoke a pipe and learn how to do it so i could talk about selling it what got you to work at the smoke shop did you smoke already or was it just like you needed a job and it didn't really matter where it was yeah no i'd already had some cigar experience in uh in las vegas and the smoke shop needed somebody that knew cigars from both the smoking side of it and from selling them to some of the casinos so that I I pretty much knew what the customer wanted already that kind of thing and I knew which end of the cigar to light and which end to cut uh, and I was also clean cut and I was willing to show up on time which was more of a problem than you'd think it would be so you went from cigars to pipes I did. I uh, started out on the cigar side, and quickly, by uh, uh, after about two years of playing around with pipes, I found out that I really enjoy the pipe a whole lot more than I do the cigar. Uh, I no, I just I just enjoy the experience of a pipe more than like you know cut, going and buying a cigar, cutting it, and lighting it. Oh yeah, it's more cost efficient too. I mean, a ten dollar cigar or ten dollar tin which gets you more. 
Yeah, I, I do like the idea of buying a $10 tin of tobacco where you're going to get 12 to 18 45-minute smokes out of it. So if you look at like a box of, you know, a $200 box of Robusto cigars, if you buy a $190 pipe and a $10 tin of tobacco, smoke it 18 times, you still got the $190 pipe left. Exactly, and that'll last probably, if you take care of it, longer than you. Uh, yeah, my my kids are going to all fight over, you know, probably selling my pipes for me when I'm when I drop dead, but <laughs> yeah. If you take care of them, they last. I was given a pipe by uh, a member who is no longer posting, Jason Gone. I bought a pipe from him, and he included an old Monarch that the uh, other four members helped me date. Judging by the patent number, at the oldest, it is probably around 83 years old. And it's still wow. in great condition and smokes wonderful. All right, so with that, we'll wrap it up with the Fast Five final questions. No wrong answers, no right answers, short answer, long answer, whatever first comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yep, go ahead. What's your favorite pipe? Uh, well, for aesthetics, it would have to be a Meerschaum that I have that looks like a castle tower. And just for smoking, it would have to be just this plain Meerschaum that I'd say it's probably an apple. I bought it for 7 bucks off someone on the forum. Smokes great. What's your favorite tobacco? That would probably be Spartan's English for an English, and my other close favorite would have to be Virginia Spice. And what's your favorite drink? And I know how old you are, so don't say anything illegal. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not old enough to drink alcohol, so I'd have to say a good cup of coffee or a good iced tea. And your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe? Uh, typically, in the warmer months, sitting outside, just enjoying the weather. And if it's cold or rainy, uh, I sit inside, and I usually have my laptop either surfing the internet, listening to music, or listening to the radio show. And I think that just answered what's your favorite. Where's your favorite place to smoke a pipe? So we, uh, I, think, yep. I think we got you covered. Yeah. Ben, thank I'm not you. lucky enough to be able to smoke in my house. Well, someday when you have your own house, you can make your own rules. Exactly. And that's for my son in case he's listening, because my house, my rules. Uh, with that, I'll say thank you very much for all your time and effort on the forums. Thank you for keeping them clean and organized. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll be back with more of the show in just a minute. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> in fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. 
Gotta run. <laughs> Just log on to smokingpipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. Captain, incoming message. I want to jump right into the mailbag because don't forget I got the special treat coming up here in just a minute. So in the mailbag, Cider Guy mentioned about uh, taxing the papers from last week's show. Taxing the papers on roll your own cigarette tobacco. The rolling papers are already taxed like that in uh, Europe. And then they went ahead and taxed the tobacco as well. I'd rather see them you know, not adding any more new taxes at all, period. That'd be nice on uh, from my side of it. Uh, Sing Kong, thank you for your uh, review on iTunes. If you get a chance, everybody, please post a rating and a review on iTunes. That does help us get the show found. Fred Hanna forwarded me the links to some of the research that he found on vitamin N. I've asked Kevin to post those on the comments on episode 37, so go to pipesmagazine.com, click on the radio show, go to episode 37, They'll be all the way down at the bottom in the last comments. There's a lot of reading, a lot of information in there about uh, vitamin N. Personal note, happy birthday to Vernon Vig. Vernon is a uh, member of the New York Pipe Club, a regular at several pipe shows, and was the president of the UPCCAPCC, anyway, the United Pipe Clubs of America. Vernon's a great guy if you ever get a chance to run into him, so happy birthday. A couple of things interesting that are coming out. One of which, well, two of which are kind of a shameless plug for me, but I had my hands involved in developing them. One of which is a thing that we're calling pipe stackers. They are stackable pipe trays that you at home can put uh, three medium, you know, three medium to large pipes in or six small to medium pipes in. You stack them on top of each other. The top tray that you that you'll want to get also has room in there for all your pipe cleaners, doodads, and accessories. Look for those hopefully tomorrow on uh, smokingpipes.com. Also, our uh, Brigham Legend series, Pipe Tobacco, has been out for about a month, month and a half. If you get a chance, pick up a tin. I'd love to hear what you think of it. I helped out a little bit with that, but uh, not too much. Anyway, it's uh, six, six different flavors, and we've got two more coming out shortly. So keep an eye out for that. Also on the tobacco front, I see... The uh, capstan and three nuns has made it in. So, there we go. All right, so that's enough of the mailbag, and I teased you a little bit about uh, a special treat coming up. Well, here it is. Instead of playing a piece of music tonight, Rick Newcomb was nice enough to send me a couple of clips out of his Still Searching for Pipe Dreams audiobook. The audiobook itself is seven hours and 16 minutes long. Uh, his son, Jack... Does a, does a great job of interviewing Rick at the beginning or in parts of it. So this is just about four or five minutes out of one of the chapters. Sit back, tell me what you think. Still Searching for Pipe Dreams by Rick Newcomb. Chapter One, A Quiet Revolution. My name is Jack Newcomb, and joining me today is Rick Newcomb, my father, the author of the paper book, the ebook, and now the audio book, Still Searching for Pipe Dreams. 
You've mentioned to me that this is the very first audiobook ever written or spoken about pipes. Is that correct? To the best of my knowledge, yes. And I've always been struck by this. I mean, pipes were, they've been around a long time. I guess back, you know, the Indians who smoked pipes through the ground, it may have been a thousand or two thousand years ago. I have no idea. But in the 1500s in Europe, clay pipes became popular. And then in the 1800s, briar pipes, and we also have meerschaum and uh, corn cob and other types of materials for pipes, but it's mainly briar pipes that were so popular. And then like at the end of World War II, I think one out of five men in America smoked a pipe. It was just amazing. And now um, you don't hear anything. When people, if, you, if I tell people I smoke a pipe, they think I'm a pothead or something. They they don't think of tobacco and pipes. It's just like it's a, it's almost like a crazy world. And yet there is a cult of pipe collectors and pipe smokers and a handful of us who know about this. And there's never been an audiobook. I want to explore the issue of why any of us would still smoke a pipe in the 21st century when it is viewed as such an unusual thing to do, to say the least. There are even some people who regard it as dangerous and irresponsible. And if they had their way, it would be classified as a criminal activity. At best, society views pipe smoking today as a hopelessly eccentric and out-of-date pastime, completely at odds with modern manners, opinion, and decorum. It wasn't always this way. In fact, pipe smoking has been popular for many centuries. In the United States, our country has its roots in tobacco. George Washington was a tobacco farmer and John Adams, a pipe smoker. During the American Civil War of the 1860s, soldiers on both sides were frequently photographed with pipes in their mouths. Our earliest images of Santa Claus showed a jolly man with a clay pipe. During the Roaring Twenties, most college men and their professors were pipe smokers. Then came the Great Depression of the 1930s, when the pipe was the poor man's way to smoke because you only need one or two inexpensive pipes to smoke and pipe tobacco lasts a long time. Following World War II, the pipe was pictured with television and movie fathers in one show after another, including with Spencer Tracy in the original movie version of Father of the Bride. It is not surprising that the Washington Post once called pipe smoke the aroma of fatherhood. Not long ago, the New York Times ran an editorial advocating a ban on all indoor smoking. Yes, no exceptions, all indoor smoking. These are similar to fascist proposals and prohibitions. No, let me rephrase that. These are fascist proposals and prohibitions. They fit nicely with our new sense of conformity as a society, where we increasingly live and work on top of one another and forfeit our privacy and individuality. Nearly all airports have intolerably long security lines and invasive body searches are not unusual. As we submit physically to all this inhuman herding, it is only natural to succumb psychologically to the herd mentality. Our cities are crammed with identical-looking office buildings with hermetically sealed windows and crowded elevators. Even the suburbs have become congested. Supermarkets smell like office buildings, which smell like hospitals, which smell like airports. Chrome and disinfectant are the order of the day. There is little tolerance for the old-fashioned aromas of cigar and pipe tobaccos. We live in a world that glorifies all things new, fast-paced, sanitized, and sterilized. In a society that claims to value diversity and tolerance 
But when it comes to tobacco, forget about it. Despite the barrage of propaganda, there are a handful of us who persist, who continue to enjoy our pipes, who have discovered the exciting world of pipe collecting. More and more young people are becoming interested in the hobby, and a surprising number of them are becoming very good pipe makers who are attracted to the infinite possibilities for creating artwork that is functional. If you want to hear more of Rick, the audiobook is available from audible.com at amazon.com and on iTunes. And remember, it's over seven hours. So we'll be back with uh, rant time in just a minute. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy. Well, it's rant time, and guess who I'm going to rant about tonight? Me. I suck. I did the same rant two weeks in a row. And remember a couple weeks ago I said my notes got all kind of jumbled up? Well, I have these notes of things that I want to do coming up, and this is no excuse. But last Wednesday uh, when I was driving off to the airport and I'd finished the show the night before because last week's was all pre-recorded, I called Kevin and I said, Kevin, I think... Have I done a rant like this before and we couldn't remember and back and forth? Anyway, turns out, yes, I did the same rant two weeks in a row. So, I suck. However, I'm going to do a much better job of keeping notes and taking uh, and keeping track of what I do and keeping my notes clean. And that's been a problem of mine for, oh, I don't know, most of my life. So, if any of you uh, schools out for summer, college students are listening, boy, keep good notes. Do your homework. Do your homework well. That's the key to success. Follow all the details. Because as you see, we're not all perfect, and uh, we do make mistakes, but uh, doing the same rant two weeks in a row. That was special. But I promise, going forward, yeah, I'm going to keep much better notes and make sure that I don't do that again. So thank you to everyone for uh, not uh, pounding me on that. Thank you to Birdseye for pointing it out and... uh, yeah, I guess the auto-dialers really did kind of uh, piss me off. So, anyway, there's the rant. It's about me. I didn't do the best thing I could have done. But anyway, we're moving on. We're moving forward. Remember, Kansas City Pipe Show this weekend, Overland Park, Kansas, at the Double Tree Hotel. Next week, we will be back to regular Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Please make sure to post any comments that you've got about the show on the uh, forums or on the show listing. Please leave those iTunes feedbacks, ratings, and reviews. Those really do help us get the show found. Make sure if you're uh, in a pipe club or on another forum, let everybody know about the show. Help spread the word. We love every pipe smoker, and we want everybody to listen to the Pipes Magazine radio show. If you would like to become an advertiser with the Pipes Magazine radio show, please contact Kevin Godby at PipesMagazine.com. So, with all that being said, i got to head home and pack because i uh, got an early morning flight. 
And I'll leave you with this. Until next time. The clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. Have you ever seen a grown man naked?